everyone. I'm your host, Christina Laney-Mitri, and welcome to Smart Living Hawaii's podcast, where we discuss smart homes and technology, sustainability, healthy lifestyles, and smart business. Today, we will continue our Sustainable Leaders series and have a talk story with Henry Gabriel, the Recycling Ranch Chief for the City and County of Honolulu. We will dive into what's trash, what's not, how our system works here in Hawaii, especially here on Oahu, and answer a bunch of questions I'm sure you all have and wondered about over the years. So, aloha, Henry. Aloha. Thank you so much for joining us today. And I'm here at his office. We are COVID up with our face masks and everything. Um, and I, this is actually our first podcast of the year. All right. So, anyhow, I always like to begin with an intro on Henry. So here we go. Henry Gabriel is responsible for managing the city's recycling programs to include curbside recycling, along with their website, which is www. Opala, which is O-P-A-L-A dot org, and recycling contracts, public education, and outreach. His passion is garbage. He lives his life as a solid waste coordinator at home as well. He's well-versed in green waste and food waste composting as well. He reduce, reduce reuse, recycling, refu refuse, and recovery is his way of life. Henry has a degree in civil engineering. In California, he's worked at recycling and composting um, facilities. And on Oahu, he's worked as a planning engineer for the city on the wastewater side. Everything and anything to do with waste, Henry is your guy. So he told us on our Eco Rotary um, meeting that we had a few weeks ago that, you know, I'll give you my phone number. I give everybody my number, but nobody calls me. Um, well, I called him. So yeah. here we are today <laughs> doing the podcast. So let's dive in. Are we ready? Yes. Okay. So I always like to start with the background on you, you know, maybe a little more personal if you'd like. Uh, family growing up your your kids um and things like that how you got into this world of trash too maybe um well i was born here on, on oahu uh spent most of my younger years in northern california some of you may know where google is mountain view california but that's where i grew up um i've got three kids i've got two boys and one girl um they're eight five and two um how i got into the trash business it's just Something that my mom and my dad used to ingrain in, in all of us. Uh, I have four siblings. And football um, games with my mom, high school football games on a Sunday morning, and we used to collect cans. At the time, cans were, cans were 25 cents a pound. And here I am going through the stadium collecting cans. I'm like, why am I doing this? Why am I doing this? And then I go home and I crush it. I learn about compacting. And then next thing you know, when I'm redeeming it, I'm making $80, you know, for all of this cans. And that's really what got me started um, in, in the waste industry. Uh, as, it, as I progressed, it went to paper, it went to cardboard. I was a newspaper person, you know, newspaper boy. And so all the paper that was uh, extras, you know, we, we recycled it, cardboard as well. And that was the beginning. You know, and once I hit college and I started working at a recycling facility, I found my passion. I wanted to work in recycling, waste-related, anything that had to do with garbage, I, want, I wanted to do it. 
I did start out, just to kind of give you a little bit more background of my, my major, I did start out as a computer science engineer. And in my third year as a junior, I, I, I had to change only because I couldn't visually see what was happening within a computer. Um, and as a, as, a, as a recycling specialist, when I was working at a recycling center, I could physically see everything from magazines to cardboard to plastics, number one, number two, you name it. We took 17 different types of products, and that really opened up my eyes to the recycling world and waste in industry world. Awesome. And so where we are at today, like when you ended up coming here, how long have you been here? Uh, since 1997, I started with the city in 1998 as a recycling specialist. Um, I, I basically was hired to run their green waste program at the time, their used oil program at the time. Um, and I think that was about it. I only had two programs. Um, and so as you can kind of see, I, I majored in civil engineering, but my, my passion was garbage and, and recycling. Fortunately, the refuse division, you know, hired me as a recycling specialist. I then ventured off into wastewater, and I got to learn about wastewater planning, engineering, uh, design at the wastewater treatment plants. Then I returned to Refuse, mm -hmm. and here I am now, you know, running the recycling program for the city with a background in wastewater, with a background in solid waste, and it, you know, it, it's just something that I, I love to do every day and come to work every day. It makes it much easier when you find your passion. Definitely. This is very true, and. You know, working with a whole bunch of sustainable leaders in, you know, sustainability in all different sectors, everybody here, it, it is a passion. I mean, you don't make a ton of money. Nope. So if you're here, it's because <laughs> it's you really love <laughs> being here and you love what you do. Yeah. And you're trying to make ends meet so you could keep doing what you love. So um, it's good to hear that there's people passionate about trash because, you know, some people just want to get rid of it, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So um, I guess I wanted to just dive into the current solid waste management system and how it works. And I think there's people that know in detail how it works. And then there's others who just, you know, throw away their trash and it doesn't even dawn into them, like, where does it go? And I think everybody just thinks if they don't know and they haven't done you know any research on it for a while they just think it goes to landfill and then the people that maybe know a little bit more they think oh i heard something about china they take all our recycling mm -hmm. and then then that's all you hear and then you hear oh wait didn't china stop taking our recycling so we don't recycle anymore and then so there's just i think a lot of mixed messages all over the place and i kind of wanted to narrow some things down, kind of set the record straight of exactly how it is and what you can recycle, what you can't, um, where it all goes, everything like that, just to, you know, I'm not going to say it's like this five minute spiel because it's kind of a lot, but we'll kind of break it down to where you can grasp it, understand it. And then after this session, maybe you'll have a better understanding of where it all goes and what, it, what happens. <laughs> Perfect, perfect. So maybe we start with some stats on trash, because I think those were very alarming when you told me all of these hundreds of thousands of tons and everything. <laughs> yeah, just to give you an idea, uh, we generate roughly 800,000 tons of trash 
Now, this is trash now. This has nothing to do with recyclables. This is trash every year. And when you think about the and waste... And this is all of Hawaii or this just Oahu? This is Honolulu. Yeah, this, this is, is city and county of Honolulu, island of Oahu. That's it. Yeah. And when you, when, you, when you think about just the weight itself, you don't really get... It's a lot. But when you visually see it, when you go down to a transfer station, you only see that fraction and it's this pit and it's full of garbage. It, it, just, it, imagine just this mountain of trash. And that's what you and I and everyone on this island produce every year. And so when I look at trash and I look at, you know, the composition of trash, you know, can we extract material? Can we recycle this? Can we recycle that? And we do have, you know, we do have uh, our program, our integrated solid waste management plan, but yet we still are producing nearly 800,000 pounds of trash annually. And that is what H-Power received. Mm -hmm. They received that much. In that composition, and we do have, we did a study in 2017, um, and we have it on our website, 36% of that waste is organic material. 10% is, 9% is plastic. You got 22% is paper. So, and these are all the things that we could recycle, we could compost, and yet it's still in our trash, you know, our, today. Yeah, yeah, today. And so we, you know, there's a lot of work on the recycling side. Um, and yeah, we still have a lot of work to do because that's a lot of trash that we're producing. I also found it interesting on the stats per person because you were you were discussing what it is per person on average and how well your household does. Yeah, so you know, it, it's very well. One, I do want to apologize. I get excited when I get to, when I talk about trash. That, that uh, that's why I'm kind of like you know wanting to talk about everything. So on on average a person will generate between four and seven pounds of trash per day. So, and you know, 80% of the population here, they're the ones who really don't care. They just put their trash out on the curb and it disappears. And there's a whole industry to take it and sort, separate and whatever. But four to seven pounds per day is what an average individual will generate. So when I go home and I look at my trash container, my gray bin, it's a 96-gallon gray bin. So is that the size we have, 96? 96. Okay. Yeah, 96 so gray gonna bin. I'm going to totally dive in the sand fine later. <laughs> 96 gallon. And I put out my trash every Friday, and I look at it. On, on average, it's really not even a quarter full. I can literally put everything that I, I generate, my family generates, into a five-gallon bucket. What, what it consists of mostly is your plastic film, your, your, your styrofoam, all these things that we really can't recycle or dispose of properly here. And so I, I, and I, and I did some back calculation and I, there's a family, I have a family of five. We generate on average 0.5 pounds per person per day, Point five pounds or a half a pound and you know my little two-year-old that's probably the diaper you know that's that's a big part of what I, I generate plastic film plastic bags that's what I generate and so when I look at it and those are like plastics number four number three through seven 
you know, where does it end up? And that's where, that's that portion that I feel ends up at H power. And we, we, you know, the, the best I can do is really to try and eliminate, you know, some of the plastics, but you know, here on this side, it's very difficult to recycle those types of plastics three through seven. Yeah. We'll definitely talk about what can be recycled yeah. soon, but um, let's see. What about um, the breakdown of trash? So when you say you only produce 0.5 pounds of trash per person, this is like the straight trash, but could you yeah. talk about how you kind of sort it to each? And those are not trash. They're somewhat recycled or reused or... Okay, so what we have for just just to talk in a general sense, and I'll be more specific. In a general sense, for the city and county of Honolulu, you know, we have every disposal method that you know a, a, a county would dream of. We have source reduction, we have recycling, we have composting, and then we have H power waste to energy, and then ultimately we have a landfill. Most, if you go to the other counties, they don't have waste to energy; they direct landfill. If you go to the West Coast, they're probably railing their, their trash to the nearest city. Here for our island, we have the, these five different disposal methods. And so when I look at that and when I go home, that, these, are the, these are the things that I do at home as a solid waste coordinator at my house. So when I think about green waste, I think, okay, I can put the large branches inside the green cart. That'll go to a, a city contractor. But I also can compost some of the smaller stuff. When I think about recycling the recyclables in the blue cart, I can put those things that, you know, I, I do recycle for the redemption value. So anything high five, I'm going to recycle on my own. But those plastic number one that are food grade containers, I'm going to put that in my blue cart. Uh, cardboard, I'm going to put that in my blue cart. Paper, put, put that in my blue cart. Um, and then when it comes to just your regular trash, like I mentioned, it's just really just plastic film, styrofoam. And so when I, what I do at work is the same ideas that, or same type of mindset that I, I, uh, I take Practice home. what you preach. Yeah, I definitely. <laughs> and that's why it's like, if, if, you know, if I can do it and I'm, it's like everybody else can, you know. Yeah, exactly. So I guess the next step is, in specifics, um, you know, we have the recycled landfill and H power. Yeah. I think H power comes up and people talk about burning trash. Could we just maybe dive into H power for people that are unaware of what H power is and how it works? Okay, no problem. Uh, let me just clarify when, when, when I view our integrated solid waste management plan, and, and every 10 years we have to develop one for the state. We, I include H-Power as just another disposal method. Um, landfill, another disposal method. Recycling, composting, another disposal method. And in the solid waste management hierarchy, you have at the very top source reduction, then the next level is composting, recycling. Next level is waste to energy. And then next level is, you know, what we're trying to divert from is the landfill. And so, when I look at H power and I see what it has done for the past since 1990, if we didn't have H power, we would have cited so many landfills between 1990 and now. We would have had to really have a, you know, an ultimate recycling program. And we all know we live on an island, everything has to be shipped out. So it's really the value 
of these products. And that's why it's very limited compared to other states. And so I look at each power as a, as a diversion method for the landfill. And it has done, you know, it has taken garbage, it generates electricity. And then really what is, what is then taken to the landfill is just your basic ash. That's it. There are some other things that go to the landfill, but majority of uh, the products right now that, that end up at the landfill is H-Power ash. So individually, each disposal method has its strong points, has its like weak points, and H-Power is to me is just another disposal method. But fortunately, it's been able to take a lot of the garbage that cannot be recycled or there is really no place to recycle it because you'd have to take into consideration the shipping cost or the environmental impact on having to ship these items out mm -hmm. um but you know so we, what is the percentage that goes to hpod just so to put, tell everybody understand yeah so if we're looking at um 700 or 800,000 tons of garbage annually we probably produce upwards of around maybe 1.1 million tons of just say overall waste 1.2 1.1 million tons overall waste that difference of 800 to 1.1 or 1.2 is all being recycled to okay. some degree so h power does take majority of the trash there are components within that trash that still can you know can be recycled and that's yeah. humans. We have to. And sort that's it. that's that's yeah. us. Yeah. We have to, you know, make make that effort, that conscious effort, really not to recycle as well, but really to just reduce the amount of waste we generate. Mm -hmm. You know, I when you think about recycling or composting, it's already a waste product. So why don't we just reduce the amount of waste before then, we start? Before we start, <laughs> yeah. then I don't have, you know. Job security, everybody tells me, oh, yeah, garbage is job secure. But here I am telling you, don't generate waste, you know, gen or generate less waste. Yeah. And then the other thing that was interesting, too, is um, the contract that we have at HR. So yep. you have to, we're, I mean, we're expected to do a certain amount. Is that, can you explain that? So really uh, what I'll do is, uh, uh, and I'll try to take a generic approach and I'll be specific again, specific again. A lot of our service contracts, whether it be for compressed gas, fire extinguishers, propane tanks, uh, what, um, appliances, green waste, uh, our, our recyclables, two out of the, let's say, seven service contracts have guarantees. And these guarantees is a put or pay. We have to pay the contractor no matter what. Um, and so for our green waste, for instance, we have to, we have a, a put or pay of seventy five thousand tons, and so we have to deliver seventy five thousand tons of green waste. Or if we're short on that seventy five thousand, we have to pay the difference. The city. Some years were below, and some years were above. You know what we would like, in a general sense, is to really put efforts into being above that seventy five thousand threshold. Now, what does that do though on the H power side? H power, I, I, and I don't know the specifics, but we are, let's say our guarantee was 800,000 tons. If we come in at 790,000 tons, we still have to pay the difference for that. And, you know, this contract has been since 1990. So when you go into contract with, you know, these big co uh, corporations, 
you know, it's it's like a 30-year contract. Mm-hmm. And so that is something that from year one to all the way up to current, you know, we're tracking it in hopes that we can we can figure out if the contract maybe needs to be modified based on our recycling. Uh, that way our tonnage can go down or our guarantees can go down. But that's really where we are right now is we're mm-hmm. analyzing the data, it being a 30-year 30, 30 contract, to see, okay, what is it? Uh, what is it that we need to um, to do? You know, right now, what we're looking at as far as each power is really diversion from the landfill. So we will get to the contract of each power because, like I said, it's a 30-year contract. But we're really looking at what are the main components that we're delivering to each power or to the landfill and then diverting it. So. Awesome. So let's see. Maybe we can dive into how does it get sorted? Because I think when you think about it, I mean, I realize you you just know people throw whatever in these bins, not yes. not to but just to be honest, like, you know, you're like, hey, that's a recycling bin and it's like still open and there's all this stuff sticking out of it. You're just like, mm, that can't be recycled. Um, so let's start with blue bins, because I think everybody always wants to know or they think that they can recycle it. Maybe they're hoping they can recycle it. So then they feel better that it's going in the blue bin or maybe there's no room in the gray bins, in the black yeah. bins, so then they put it in the blue bin. But let's chat about what you can recycle in the blue bins. Um, before I get into the specifics, I do want to say that contamination in any recycling facility is huge. The reason being is we, we talked a little bit about China and, and them not accepting recyclables anymore. It was because our contamination levels for these commodities were like 15%, 20%. So here we are thinking that we're doing a great job of recycling only to be delivering 15, 20% garbage to this country. So I don't blame them for not wanting it because we're not, we're not doing a great job of providing a high quality product. Um, so what goes into the blue bin? Number one and number two, plastic. I say this very specifically. What I've seen in our blue bin is, as far as plastics, Number three, PVC. Number four, LDPE. Number five, polystyrene. Number six, polypropylene. We see all of these things. And if you look at the base of any container or the the base of a lid, you're going to see a number. You're going to see a little triangle. A little triangle and a number. If you see one or two, then it goes in the blue. It's, It's really that simple. Maybe some typical household items that you can think of that should definitely be in there. So a number one container is any type of high five beverage container. Uh, I would prefer you recycle it so you get your nickel nickel back, but if you choose not to, use the recycling bin, number one. Um, So that'd be a beverage container. And they come in clear, they come in green. I think there's a blue. Um, Number two plastic would be your milk gallon. That's your opaque HDPE, high density polyethylene. Um, That is your typical. Some yogurt containers will be a solid white, but it's still a number two, and that's that's okay. What what I mostly see are either your polypropylene or your polystyrene. That's a brand name styrofoam. That is not recyclable here. You know that's why gray bin all of that all of that those types of uh, plastic PVC piping that is not recyclable here. 
Um, so those are the types of plastics that we see all the time. Uh, the other things that we see, um, cereal boxes, we call that flat board. That is a huge contamination in the cardboard world. So when we think cardboard, we're only talking about corrugated cardboard only. And that's the corrugated with the squiggly line in between, sandwiched between Your two. Amazon boxes. Your Amazon boxes. That's <laughs> what it is. You can see cardboard brown on yes, both sides. <laughs> that's, what it, that's all we want. Now, along that, if you go to the grocery store and you get that brown paper bag, that too is considered craft paper and highly valuable when it comes to cardboard. Um, some things that you know people are kind of mis are un misunderstanding are are some of the boxes that have a glossy and yet they're corrugated. That is considered cardboard. What the recycler will do is make sure that it's separated according to grade, um, and that's a lower grade than your regular Amazon box since it's brown on both sides. But that is car uh, cardboard as well. White and ledger, white and color ledger paper. We may not see a lot of this at your house, but if you do produce some, that's your b basic office paper. Uh, that could be thrown in there. Newspaper. Only the gray, normal newspaper. We don't want any type of magazines or glossiness. That is a huge contamination. Um, so that to me is another thing that should go into the gray bin. Envelopes with, with the adhesive gray bin. Um, what else is it? Glass. Green, amber is your brown and your clear. Bottles and jars only. That's it. We don't want windows or tempered glass. And believe me, we see these types of things in there. All we want is your green, your blue. Blue comes in blue as well. And then your amber and then your clear. So like wine bottles are wine okay. Bottles you can't are get money for them, but you can recycle them. Right, right. If you notice, a lot of the redemption, the redeemable type material or recyclables are somewhat carbonated. Uh, not all, but carbonated. And so if you if you think of wine, yes, it can go into your blue bin, but there is no redemption value for it. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. And I mean, I think some people too ask about. So if you have those big TV boxes, and like you said, it had a gloss on it, but it is actual cardboard with that the middle, yeah. Then what do you do? Just tear it up and put it in your bin? Yes. So a lot of the um, a lot of phone calls that we get is too big for my blue box. Well, you know, if if you're able to rip the bottom out and you flatten it and you fold it it will fit into your, your blue bin. If you have a means to cut it up, it'll fit into your blue bin. What you don't want is to really just jam it in there because when the truck picks it up and if it's prohibiting oh. everything else from falling, you're still going to end up with a full blue bin. I get it. Yeah. Yes. So you want to be able to at least kind of like cut it up or even meter it into your blue bin. That, that'll work as well. Okay. And then um, what about, I guess, now that we have a good idea for the blue bins, let's move into the green bins yes. because I was also interested to hear about all those plastic bags and how it affects the composting and everything. Yes. So green waste, green waste, green bin, green waste only in the green bin. If, if you, we, we have a contract, city has a contractor. And what they do is they do a windrow. We only have one. One contract. There's there's actually two on island, but the city is only contracted with one. But there are two on island. Um, and if you've ever visited this company, Hawaiian Earth Recycling, and you look at the progression of the compost material, 
you're going to see plastics from the beginning and then they go through their decompo decomposition. You're still going to see plastic. And then the final stage, you know, you do, it's all going to get taken out, but you do still see a little bit of residual plastics. I, I buy product from them in bulk and I still having to pick out some things. Um, so that's why we, we always try and tell residents is that when you're putting green waste into your green bin, put it in loose. No plastic bags, just put it in loose. We don't want footwear. We don't want metal. We don't want mailboxes. We don't want paper. The, the, uh, the green bin is, for now, the green bin is strictly for green waste. There are size limitations. Um, you know, nothing more than, I believe, nine inches in diameter. But if you have something that wide, you know, normally you contract that out. They should be not putting it into your green bin, but disposing of it on your own, especially if it's commercial. Um, like trunks. Though. Like tree, yeah, tree trunks, you know. Um, but anything from leaves to, to yard waste to grass clippings, everything in loose. The, the, one, the one tip that I would give uh, residents is that you don't want to put in grass clippings at the very bottom and let it sit for a long time. As it starts to kind of condense at the bottom, it's going to be hard for the driver to empty it out because it just sits there and it just condenses as it sits. And so we always try to tell people, you know what, put some um, branches first, then put green waste in or then put grass in. Um, but that's just that that is a, a method for the green waste that to to, um, to compost it. But there's also the 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 idea of composting that type of material at your house. Now, and I say green waste only because grass high in nitrogen decomposes fast. What you what you'll end up you really when you when you do both, let's say whether it be composting at your house or utilizing the green bin. You'll, you'll realize that your green bin is going to be used for the larger material. And, you know, space might be an issue with, with some homes, but if you're able to do it, you'll be amazed how much you can reduce as far as putting into your green waste bin as well. Yeah. And so the company basically turns all the green waste into like a fertile, I mean, um, what is it? It's like a soil. It's like a soil, yeah, right? Yeah, so, soil amendment, yeah. And they use people buy it from them. Yeah. So the more plastic bags you put in there, the more you're feeding. <laughs> yes, you people know, that are buying it. So I, I, it's very you know you you put a plastic any plastic through a grinder, it's going to be this microplastic. So we all know microplastics on the beach, but microplastics in, in a earth. in a pile of compost, it's it's noticeable. Yeah. Especially when the sun is shining on it and you can kind of see the glare and you're just like, gosh, look at all this plastic in there. Yeah. You know, so. Okay. So now that we have an idea, the different places that all of our trash mm -hmm. ends up, hopefully if you put them in the right bins. Right. <laughs> um, could you just for people who didn't know with China that we would ship everything to them and can you explain that just really quick and how it doesn't happen anymore is there where is our trash being shipped to after or recycling and everything that we're done with where does it go now? okay um well I, I can't give you the dates on when uh, or the year i know it was china sword and i want to say it was six years ago where china stopped taking our recyclables um or limitation on the recyclables 
when that occurred, our recycler, you know, who handles our curbside, were, they were scrambling because that, that is where everything went from the fiber to the um, plastics, not so much the aluminum and glass, um, but they had to find a market for that. So right now, your aluminum and your glass are going to the West Coast, which is good. And you know? so the West Coast has a facility that processes it yes. and recycle, legitimately recycles, recycles it. it. Yes. So a lot of your glass that you, you, you recycle goes to a manufacturer where it is being processed again into glass. Aluminum is huge. A lot of the aluminum that is recycled here goes to a processor and then it's, you know, so is it to, too ridiculous for me to even ask, is it something that Hawaii could obtain at some point or is the price for something like that just so astronomical that it would make no sense? It, it's really the price. You know, we put out a request for proposals to recycle glass on island and um, land obviously is a, a large amount of money here and so when we did this and the offer the offer that came in it would have been too costly for us so it was too costly for yeah. because of the cost of land or is it too costly Overall, for the actual like i guess whole system of doing this because to me after all of the, I don't know how much it costs us to ship everything every time, right? I mean, then you're shipping it over there just to recycle it. I mean, we don't, I mean, we're paying to do all this. I'm just wondering at what point would we like break even if we had this facility here for the whole state or something? I don't know. <laughs> and how else can we become sustainable as you know, an entity exactly. here in Hawaii, if we have to continue to rely on outside sources. So I guess, you know, is it the cost of land that just pushes it over the edge or like, like literally we could have one here if, if we had land or a, some type of donation of land and then the numbers work out. I don't know. I was just so curious. <laughs> just to give you an idea of just glass itself. We pay, and I can't be too specific on this, is it's, it, you know, contract information. Let's say we pay $100 to process glass to, for it to get recycled on the mainland. A company, you, you know, could come in and it could be four times that much for them to produce glass, a glass um, product here on island. Now, when we when we evaluate a lot of these proposals, it's taxpayers' money, mm -hmm. you know. And so we have to we have to think, okay, really, recycling is much cheaper to do it the way we're doing it than to pay this contractor to be, you know, to do it on island. So we evaluate it that way, and it's it's a lot. That's why if you look at what we're what we're recycling we're very specific compared to let's say people on the west coast mm -hmm. we don't we don't segregate separate everything and anything because cost wise because we have to ship it across we the ocean ship it, <laughs> they just right? drive it yeah to they can just rail it somewhere so we take all of this into consideration yeah. whether whether it's the environmental impact or the um the financial impact so, so so you see this never being like a solution, like where it would actually be here. Or maybe there's some crazy new well, I, innovations I, I think, that come up. <laughs> I don't think the solution is 
I, I really don't see that as that maybe be a solution, but I really see a bigger solution in trying to figure out how to generate less. So would we be going back to being like the milkmans and reusing bottles? I hope so. Because I mean, I know when I was in Kauai and some other places, even Blue Bottle here, right? They have, um, not Blue Bottle, um, uh, Blue Tree Cafe. Mm -hmm. If you have like juiceries, you know, where they have pressed juices, like now they have the exchange. And in Kauai, they had one too, where you get... I don't know. If you bring back your bottles, you know, rinsed out or whatnot, then they just reuse the same bottles, right? So, I mean, I guess that is an it, option. Yeah, that, that is the option, do. right? I mean, <laughs> that is one way we can seriously generate less waste. And like I mentioned, when it's when it, when that item is recyclable, it really is still a waste product. So, what can we do then to generate less waste? You know, that to me is the solution to really our issue that we're facing now. Mm -hmm. Like, what can we do? And I think at the end of the day, for so many different sectors of sustainability, it's a mind shift on a person as to their kuleana, as their responsibility as yes. to what they're going to do, right? So the more people that get on board to give back in these types of ways you know to do the right thing then we'll start to see change, change. Yes. yes yes it's <laughs> so, it's, I mean, it's difficult when you think about the average person 80 percent of the the population who just kind of put things at the curb only for it to magically disappear, disappear. <laughs> but, well they do pay for it in a sense <laughs> yeah they do but i think it but, just magically yeah, yeah, it disappears. <laughs> I, I do want to say that, you know, when, when people realize um, the different ways to minimize the amount of waste or recycle the types of waste, you know, and, and you just, you know, um, change your lifestyle a little bit, mm -hmm. you, you'll be amazed how easy it is. Yeah. And I mean, that's really the goal of our podcast here is that. It's kind of a lot of it is green to green, mm -hmm. I like to say, for people who are just starting out or wanting to learn and they don't know very much, maybe in different sectors of sustainability, then this gives you the opportunity. And sustainability as a whole is really one of those things where you start learning a little bit and then, you know, you start absorbing a lot more and then start carrying even more and more. Right. <laughs> so it does kind of snowball into more and then you just end up doing a lot more than you did a year ago. Right. So every little bit helps. And that's how I like to look at it. Even if it's a small change, if everybody makes that one small change, it'll be a big change as right. a whole. Right. So I think that's where we're kind of at in, in even with recycling, right? And even with, you know, reducing what you use and and reusing what you have. So um, I wanted to dive into um, some of the programs that yeah. you guys have. Mm -hmm. um, I wanted to talk about condos because um, there's a lot of condos. And yeah. what I'm noticing is that there's a lot of um, people that will rent a condo and 
there's a lot of hangups with this that we're seeing in the sustainable world of just trying to be more efficient or trying to be energy efficient or trying to save on recycling or, you know, community garden kind of initiatives, things like that. It makes it very difficult if you're not a homeowner, you know, living in a single family home where you kind of do whatever you want. Right. You know, you're kind of at the mercy of the condo association. If you're an owner, then, you know, you could attend the condo association board meetings and voice your opinions. Right. But right. when you're a renter, you really have no say. So um, I wanted to talk about certain programs that are offered that um, could benefit like everybody. Yeah. And so your program is great, but I also wanted to um, mention some things that I think like our building is having hurdles with because, uh, and they really do want to recycle. Yeah, so yeah, maybe yeah. we can dive into that a little <laughs> yeah, bit. Yeah. So can you explain your guys's condo? So if you, if you live in a condo and your building doesn't have this, then you should definitely look into it. Yes, let, let me let me start by just saying we are aware of the high density areas, and we are concerned about the high density areas, especially in the Kaka'ako area and the Waikiki area, where a lot of these high-rise buildings are. Um, and so we know that that one building can produce X amount of trash. And if you multiply it by all the different buildings, that's a lot of trash. And as we kind of like dig deep into these buildings and see what type of disposal methods, we just hope that they're recycling. What the city offers as far as a condo recycling program is that we, we offer to help design a program specific to your building. And in the past, it was, it was geared towards your normal recycle. That being your glass, your paper, you know, just just things that the average homeowner can put in their blue bin. Um, and th there weren't too many. There, there's about 12 condos right now, associations that are involved with this, and we're trying to expand it each year. We try to get one or two, you know, or more. Um, but we we literally will will come down there. We'll do an assessment. We'll look at who your contractor is. Try and work with the contractor. You propose the type of bins that, that you would like. We would then evaluate it. Um, and then we would provide, you know, some funding for to purchase it. And the agreement is you just make sure that you report how much you're recycling per year. That way we can see what we can improve on um, as far as your regular recycling. Really, when you think about it, it's supposed to offset your disposal costs. Yeah. That's really the, the benefit of this. Now, what, what we're planning is really diving into food waste. The, the reason why I bring up food waste is because if you if you think about our composition, you know, at, at H-Power, 30% of it is organic material, 20% of that 30% is food waste. And so a lot of these high-rise buildings, everything is, you know, whether it be food waste or, or just regular trash, you know, all of that is going into your regular disposal bin. So what I'm thinking, and, and is really developing a, on top of the regular recycling program, is developing a food waste program, how the city can, can assist these high-rise buildings, these condo associations in, in composting their food waste or diverting their food waste to a pig farmer or things like that. The, the difficult part is really getting an end user, you know, Correct. a heart. 
to accept the food waste or to, uh, to compost the food waste. And so this is a program that, um, you know, it's unfortunate right now that we're, you know, all of us are, are facing budget cuts. So I had to cut a little bit of that, that program, but it's still something that my branch is still willing, or the Department of Environmental Services, we're still willing to help you design something. And if the funds are there, we will help you. How do you design something like that for a condo? I mean, what what exactly is everybody doing? Everybody's got to dump certain stuff, like in their trash chute area. There's just different bins there or something. Yeah, so or like composting or food waste. Doesn't it get smelly? Or <laughs> so that's, that is... Because there's only the one trash chute, right? Trash so it's like right. there's only one place to drop it where it goes down to where it smells really bad. Right. So I'm trying to figure out, like, do you put two different bags or um, I don't know. So the, the, the way that the, the condos are, you know, were built really wasn't to include all of these things. Of course. So these are all additives, right, that we're trying to do. So one area, one association in, on the North Shore, and it's not really, it's, it's a condo setup, but they have these areas next to their, um, their trash bin. And we supplied them with um, blue cards or green cards, I'm sorry, green cards for their recycling. They then said, okay, you know, this is what we want to provide these little stacker bins to the residents. And we said, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll buy those for you. Just report your annual tonnage. So what the resident does now is they put it into their, I think it's a blue stackable, and then they take their recyclables and they put it into the green card. And then they have employees on, on site who then recycle. They, they, their hauler is not doing the recycling. They have employees who recycle it. Um, we went, we did a... a we Where do they recycle everything? I mean, because... So your high five is... But gonna, besides the high five stuff. Yeah, so they're going to go to probably a recycler that's closest to them, which would be in the... Um, uh, Halaba area. So you can literally take cardboard and all this other stuff that you can't like get paid for, like to these places and just drop it off. So long as it's clean material, that is the key to all of this. As much as China doesn't want our garbage, they don't want your garbage. They have so, every reason to say, you know what, that's not really what we want. And they don't pay for it. You just drop it you off. You just drop it off donation only. So I guess that's kind of the hang up. So when I was talking to our resident manager, he wa he wants to recycle and they had a recycling program before and it was free at first. Right. Yes. And then it started costing money and then it keeps costing more and more money. And then the numbers actually exceeded for them where it didn't make sense. And then now they stopped recycling because the numbers were too high to recycle. And I mean, just recently there's, I mean, they have areas where you could drop off, you know, high five. So you can, yeah. and, and, you know, if it's not our staff taking it off of the hands of everybody, there's someone in our building who collects it all and takes it themselves because it gets, it disappears. Right, right, right. <laughs> so somebody takes those yeah. and people actually, there's actual bins for, for those money makers. But when I was talking to him about the cardboard you mentioned that cardboard has gone up how much? Yes. So, um, it, I mean, and this is only to benefit the people that are recycling cardboard, I guess. Not because yes. you just drop it you off. Drop we it can't off. make any money off right, it, but right, they right. make more money. They they do. 
I mean, what was it before and how much is it now? Well, I, how much I, has I, it increased? I'm just I just curious. want to say that it, it doubled from May till about, I think, November in price. So if it was like, let's say, 110 per ton, it doubled to like 220 per ton. So when we, and, and this is where it gets tricky with these recyclers. We follow the commodity pricing just like them. And so we know when cardboard is high, that's when they're going to sell. And that's why we, we try to get them as much cardboard as, as they can. When cardboard is low, they try and hold on to their stock until their, the, um, the prices get better. Recycling was at a high. Commodity prices were at a high in the 90s. It dipped down in the early you know, 2000s. And it's still, you know, we're only seeing the, um, it, it increasing, these fiber markets increasing recently so yeah. my question now is because basically they're compacting it and throwing yes. it in the trash bins would somebody come by and be like oh if you had a whole bunch of cardboard like i'll take it off your hands i mean is it that valuable or is it like they wouldn't even bother if you think of it this way if it goes into a recycling bin or your disposal bin you're paying for it you're still paying for it whether you're increasing your frequency in your disposal bin or decreasing and it balances out in your recycling bin, it really boils down to the quality of what you're putting in there. If I am a recycler and all of a sudden I get 20% contamination, I'm going to be, that's not worth sorting. I'm just going to put it in with my residuals, we call it. So, which tells me then that, you know what, that building needs to do a little bit better. As well, I know as that our building, like, we have to put all the cardboard separately. They compose, I mean, they smash it down separately. Yeah. So, they're getting the cardboard and compressing it all together, I think, because we have to put it somewhere else. And it, we obviously can't put it down the trash chute, right. right? So, it already is separated. So, I'm thinking yeah. if someone just were to come get that and it's actually worth more, I mean... I would think that it would just be sitting there and take up less space. Cause I mean, everybody in our building, oh my gosh, Christmas was so crazy yeah. with all the boxes that they yeah. were like, you better get your boxes in 24 hours. Cause we don't have a place for them. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I'm like, you know, and it's kind of a regular now that people are shopping that way. And especially yeah. with COVID not wanting to go out shopping. So I'm just thinking this seems like a situation that will be here for a while. Oh yeah. <laughs> and the price of it will probably either stay this much or keep going up. I don't even know. <laughs> right. So there there is a um there, there's two things that are going on. One is that you want to be able to say I'm saving for an environmental aspect. You want to be able, I'm, yeah I'm, I'm saving the environment, you know, I'm saving natural resources. On the other side there's a value to it. Mm -hmm. That is why when you, and I'll, I'll bring up the high five material, you only have a nickel. It's only worth a nickel to some, but to some, it's like, oh man, that's a nickel. Mm -hmm. You know, so whenever I see a, an aluminum can on the ground, I'm going to pick it up, you know, because why? It's a nickel to me. Somebody paid that nickel. They threw it away. They disposed of it improperly. I'm going to recycle it. What I'm also thinking is that it's recyclable, mm -hmm. you know. So there's always going to be this this constant, you know, mindset of it being environmental and and recyclable. So when I think of a building and them producing cardboard, so long as there's a value, somebody's gonna take it. 
Um, when I worked at a recycling facility. Well, maybe I can get that number from you and yeah. <laughs> I'll give it to Some, our you. Know, somebody's gonna somebody's gonna recycle it because there's value to it. Yeah. A lot of like if you glass, glass is something that's just cumbersome. Nobody wants it, even though it's worth a nickel. But there are people. There are people out there that and it's heavy, right? It's and heavy it, and, and it breaks. clinking <laughs> and everything like that. And so a lot of times when you when you go down certain areas and you're like, wow, there's you know there's no recycling in this one trash bin, somebody sees it as five cents. Yeah, so, and so. I think that's awesome. I'd rather people take it off right. their hands, right, and and do something with and make money off of it right. than just going straight. So I'm not to say that the recycling centers shouldn't be making money, but I'm yeah, yeah. but they, you know yeah. they've got to make they they make their be, money a different yeah, way after they, they've got to make some money yeah. as well. They've got to stay in business. So real quick, yeah. because I know we're running out of time, I wanted to dive into maybe some future goals or ambitions that you have. Yeah. And I wanted to just touch on San Francisco a little bit because I know they've um, kind of transformed their whole trash situation. And I was reading an article, so I was just going to mention some things, which I'm sure you already know, but just for our listeners, mm-hmm. um, they have a pretty strict waste management program. And in general, California, sustainability wise, and the way they're moving are very forward thinkers in a lot of these things. And they've been doing this for some time to the point where right now we have, I would say in Hawaii, um, incentives to to do sustainability yeah. initiatives. Um, but they've gone past incentives now and it's more like the carrot or the stick and they've got the stick, right? So they've got more of, um, well, if you don't do this, it's going to cost you more kind of a thing or things of like, or it's a law now and you have to do it. So some of the things that they do, and I'm just wondering if this is where we're headed. I mean, it may not be ideal for everybody, but you know, sometimes it might be the best route to take. So um, some of the things they do is they're doing compost and like, I guess they're actually taking the food waste, right. And separating right. it. And it's just law now that you have to right. kind of have this separation. Um, and then also a lot of behavior changes, yeah. you know, that you have to make because it costs a lot more to haul the trash than it costs to haul, you know, the recycled stuff. Right. right? And then the third one, which I thought was interesting is the recycling bins are way bigger than the other bins. So the blue are 64 gallons, the green is 32, and then the black is only 16 gallons. It's It's really small. And you're like, oh, I can't, you know, and you're just like, you gotta, you gotta figure out what you're going to do. It's a behavioral change at that point. Right. So, you know, they, another thing they said that has been helpful, and I don't know if that's the case for you guys, is that they have an exclusive partner with one company that does a lot of this collaborative efforts, you know, like it's a long term. But I think you kind of have almost one of those for each section. But right. it sounds like they have only like one person that handles or one entity that handles everything. Maybe mm-hmm. that is a different type of model or something. But it's... It's something to think about. Do you think that we will move in this direction anytime soon? <laughs> what we're, when we evaluate all of what we do in the solid waste management industry here on Oahu, 
you know, it has to make financial sense to some degree. You know, it cannot, you know, taxpayer, these are taxpayers' money. We have to make sure that we're disposing of these waste properly. And so with food waste, knowing that it's 20% of our waste stream, yes, we are going to be focusing on food waste. Now, some counties in California, what they do is they, they have a split bin in their green waste. Green waste goes on one side of the bin, hmm. you open up the other lid, that's where your food waste goes, and the county or the, the city provides you a bag, and they're very specific, and you cannot mix the two. Um, so that way, when that bin goes to a contractor, food waste goes here, green waste goes here, this is composted differently than this. Now, if you think about it, that's going to put you, your cost for composting is going to go, for green waste um, collection is going to go high. We are looking at that system only because food waste is something that we should be eliminating from our waste stream. But we're not going to be looking at just for the fact of composting it. You're, it's still your you're processing, your tipping fee is going to go up because now the company has to deal with food waste. And it's a different process. It's an anaerobic process. So when we think you have about to find who's going to take who's it, the end and user. You, yeah, right. Yeah. You're going to turn the it end into user for this. Um, but we have, you know, agriculture is huge here. So hopefully they'll be able to use that. And, you know, it does and we're work. hoping it's going to keep expanding, expanding. So we don't chip all of our food. <laughs> right. So when I think about food waste, we also have to think about the hierarchy of food waste. Uh, and that's feeding humans and feeding animals first before we look at composting. So. First of all, I mean, when we when when food waste is literally waste, it's already generated. Why can't we then generate once again less food waste for those foods um, that are food insecurity for those people that you know have a hard that are having a hard time? Are there areas where we can restaurants can then donate food? You know. Or if it's food waste, why not let's, you know, let's feed the animals first. Like let's pig industry. Mm -hmm. Then we compost. Yeah. You know, so there is a hierarchy of food waste. We are looking at that as well. Awesome. Well, a couple, let me see if we've covered these. Maybe we've d done them already. I know my dad was asking about the, the solar panels from hot water heaters. Yeah. Where do those go, or who do we give those to? And that that's something that I I think, I think that was it. The bulky, the bulky. Yeah, the bulky pickups. Pickups. Yeah, because so, that's changed a lot recently. Yes. And everybody's like, what do we do? What's the situation here? <laughs> so just just to talk a little bit about bulky item pickup. Base. It's an appointment based system. You go online. You you make an appointment. Our guys will. You know, a route will be developed, we pick up your bulky items. But what you alluded to when you said solar panels, that is something that is probably, that and those these other types of items that I'm gonna mention are really what is on our mind. Now, solar panels, mattresses, carpet, um, batteries, we're gonna see a huge influx in batteries from lithium ion batteries from the cars and the, the tools and everything like that. We don't want that. We don't want that in our waste stream. Batteries cause fires. Mattresses are hard to process because of the coils get jammed up into the gears. And next thing you know, our system is down. Carpet, hard to process. So when I look at these types of waste, these are the things that we really should be trying to extract. 
And the, and one way to do that, and California is doing it to some degree, um, is EPR, Extended Producer Responsibility. Um, for the, uh, large appliances, your stoves and, and um, uh, dryers and washers, all of these things we as a municipality will accept and we'll pick up on your bulky item. We'll process it, whether it's mattresses at each power or uh, your refrigerator at a, a refrigerant extracting company. We will process it. But what is it? It's, it's another budgetary item that we have to then worry how are we going to afford this? Because we're seeing a lot of this. So when you in. get it, where does it go? You have to smash it down and set it somewhere? So a, a contractor, so let's say a, a refrigerator, a contractor will extract your refrigerant and all the oils associated with it. They'll take it to their processing, their grinder, all the plastic, the carcass of the, the um, refrigerator will go to, as we call it, residuals that ends up at each power. All your metal from your copper, non-ferrous and ferrous metal will then be extracted and recycled. And then your refrigerant is sold as well. You know, that is sold. So really, when you think about the process... It's a tedious. It's tedious. Long, yeah, a lot of work. Yes. And so that's why I feel that these, you know, and this is something And this that, is why you only take two items per month. Per household, no, everybody. Five, five, well, five two items. of those kind yeah, of Yeah, two items. of the middle. Yeah, and two then of five. five of the so my, my dad was just, I think they were getting rid of something. So they were like, they had to actually do this because it just started changing, I yeah. guess, in Pearl yeah. City. So, you know, then they called and then they have they have to wait, I guess, like next month to do yes. the next call. Yeah. <laughs> it's busy. And that's what, when we track waste, we're like, how come people have so much? And, it, you know, it, it's amazing. It hasn't dipped down. When when I, when I think about as much waste as we generate last year, year before, year before, it's, it's the so same. So what about COVID? Did COVID have any effect on this at all? Like, I know, like, we have way less tourists that came in and all of their waste. I mean, it could it had to have done some change, no? No. We just turned, <laughs> what, we what, got cardboard now? No, so <laughs> when, when we analyze the waste generation of during this 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 pandemic we noticed that commercial waste dropped only to be balanced by residential waste wow so but have, that was a that's a lot of tourists that did not come here though but that's a lot of people who were at home cleaning yeah so we were amazed we're just like I thought oh it would, I actually thought it was going to be much lower. Less. That's what we, commercial, yes. Hmm. Residential went up. And all of our facilities were heavily impacted. Well, that. we are out of time. We hit over an hour today. Um, a few people have, but it's interesting stuff. I hope yeah. people that are listening stayed on till the end. If not, I'm sorry that we might have bored you. No, <laughs> it was interesting to me, and I'm not necessarily a trash person by any means. <laughs> but um, thank you so much for joining us today, Henry. And I really appreciate you and your time here because I know you're a busy man. Um, I, that's all we have. And thank you for listening. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast at www.smartlivinghi.org. 
You can also find us on Instagram at at smart underscore living underscore Hawaii. And you can like us on Facebook. In addition, I will have a list of all these really cool hyperlinks for Henry and his team here. Um, and their website is www.opala.org. And that has a lot of information on it. He said it's a lot of information, so you can find everything there. But what I'm going to try to do, even on my website, is create a separate area where it has some key um, actual places that you can click on for the important stuff. So thank you guys so much. You're Until welcome. next time, have a great day.